Family Shield seeks to impact the world for Christ and transform lives in time for eternity. To educate and equip people through the power of the gospel, to know Christ, grow in His Word, and strengthen individuals and their families. Your donation of any size can be made securely through PayPal at FamilyShieldMinistries.com. You'll find the Click to Give tab about midway down the page. Your financial support and your prayers help keep Family Shield on the air and ministering to families through the power of Jesus Christ. FamilyShieldMinistries.com Jesus said, In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. At some point, our lives will be shaken by suffering, heartache, or loss. When this occurs, we can ask these questions. Will we rely on the faith that God gives us when life's sufferings shake us to the core? Through God's strength and by His grace, how can we leverage those experiences to point others to a relationship with Jesus Christ? Donna Snow, a popular author and speaker, wrote a new Bible study for Lutheran Women's Missionary League entitled, Unshakable, Standing on the Rock When Life Quakes Hard. This Bible study will help participants learn about the lives of eight remarkable men and women whom God shook to the core, then used to point others to the hope of salvation. We'll talk about a few of these people today. In each person, we'll see how the Lord gave them faith to survive and thrive. Thankfully, the Lord gives us a kingdom that cannot be shaken. My guest is Donna Snow, author of Unshakable, Standing on the Rock When Life Quakes Hard. This is Kay Meyer, president of Family Shield Ministries and your host for today's program. Welcome, Donna. Thank you so much for being my guest today. Okay. It is such a joy to be here. I have missed you. Uh, it's been a while, hasn't it? It has. Yeah. And you've been busy, busy writing, writing, and I'm just doing radio programs most of the time and, and <laughs> podcasts. So just uh, different parts of the body of Christ. But thank you so much for hanging on today. And and uh, in the midst of shakable things, <laughs> we, we survive, don't we? Yeah. Oh, it's a joy. So um, tell our listeners just a little bit about your Bible study, and then tell them why you titled it Unshakable. Well, the Bible study looks at eight different characters from Scripture. We look at uh, Joseph and um, Mary, David, James, the brother of Jesus. We look at Mary Magdalene, uh, Paul. We look at Gideon, and then also John eight different lives. And the premise of this really came out of COVID because I think during the pandemic, we kind of slotted into fear mode. And what I wanted to do is to be able to look at these characters' lives who, I mean, none of these characters God had designed for, you know, they weren't royalty. They weren't prophets, none of these. They were ordinary people that God took a hold of with a calling and shook their lives in such a way that they were then able to leverage their experiences for the sake of the gospel. And I just, it was really the pandemic that brought this out. How can we live past fear when life shakes us? Like I think many of us were shaken during the pandemic, you know, the freedom limiting mandates that we had and the burst bubble of having control over everything, you know, how do we get past those experiences and leverage them for the sake of the gospel? That's really where this came from. 
Wonderful. Well, I have been delving into it, didn't have but a few days to do that, and I selected a James, Saul, who became Paul, and John to try to talk about today. Now, there's a lot in each of your chapters, and um, let's just begin with James. From you, you call the title "From Doubting Brother to Impactful Leader," mm-hmm. and uh, tell our listeners who James was. Well, James was the half brother of Jesus and grew up with Jesus, you know, and all of a sudden Jesus says, oh, by the way, I'm the Messiah. And how many of us would not have a problem if one of our siblings came and said, oh, by the way, (laughs) I'm some deity that now you have to worship. And so James had an issue with the fact that, hey, I've known this guy for my whole life. And all of a sudden he claims to be the Messiah. And he just did not believe it. He was against that whole idea. And he really did not believe Jesus his entire life until the resurrection. And Jesus made a point to show up to James, one of only less than a dozen people that Jesus showed up to specifically after the resurrection. He actually showed up to James before the disciples because he wanted James to know that I am who I am and Uh it's going to be okay. And James had such gifts that Jesus knew would be instrumental to the first century church. And so James needed to know that he knew that he knew. Yeah, and I was thinking uh, as I was reading about James that uh, Jesus on the cross uh, gave the uh, care of his mother Mary to John, the Mm -hmm. disciple he loved, because there was no son who had faith in him. And yet I wonder then what happened after James became a leader of the church in Jerusalem, I think you said. Is that correct? That's pretty awesome. Yeah. I mean, once the truth of who Jesus was penetrated James, he had a skeptical heart. James's life was never the same again. We don't see that he ever actually left Jerusalem after that. He kind of took charge of the church there in Jerusalem and helped build it to what it became. And he was instrumental in building the first century church. And what a testament. Wow, that's great. What I uh, love too, early in the chapter, and you have in each chapter, each person, you have multiple segments. I would assume when people are doing this, they're doing one a week. Is that how the uh, Bible study participants would be doing one of those chapters a week? They usually do. But what I've realized is they're People do these Bible studies in so many different ways. They may do, because for each character, there are five days of study. And some people spend a half a year in these studies, just going day by day per week. But some are kind of on a time schedule and they do it in eight weeks. So it depends on you know the, the church's timeline or their personal timeline. But you could spend, and I, I really love it when people spend longer because that's when the truth of scripture soaks into our skin. Right, right. Yeah, absolutely. Well, one of the other things I liked early on, again, I knew Jesus had brothers, but I couldn't have told you where that verse was. And in, I think it's Matthew 13, 55, it lists Jesus' brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas. Mm -hmm. And then it refers to them as the carpenter's sons, and Mary's mentioned there too. So you just wonder sometimes, I wonder when Jesus Uh, adopted father died, because at that point, it sounds like the carpenter's sons, 
that's that's who they are, but that maybe he was still there. And I loved having to see those names. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. Now, a lot of our Roman Catholic friends who are listening might never have heard that Jesus had half brothers and, and a couple sisters too, I believe. Is that correct? At least one. At least one sister. Mm-hmm. Okay. But the Bible tells us that and they might say, well, but Mary was a virgin and she was a virgin until after Jesus was born. So these were would have all been younger brothers of Jesus. That's exactly right. Because, you know, Mary was to keep herself pure until after Jesus' birth. Well, then they could do their natural marital, you know, relations. And they had many kids after that. That's awesome. So what else do we want to learn about James? James, wow, you read through the book of James, and it will hit believers square between the eyes, because he stressed that our faith life is to be all encompassing and not compartmentalized. It's our walk has to match our talk. And that is convicting still for us today, because even if we leave out of church and we're the same inside church as we are outside church, how many of us can say that about social media? How many of us can say that when we have road rage on the street? James hits you between the eyes that says, basically, if you talk it, you better walk it because the reflection is on the one who saved your life for eternity. And he will get in your business. I love that about James. He was very no nonsense. This is how the cow ate the cabbage, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, I also thought it was interesting since Jesus appeared to James and James wrote the book of James, uh, that he doesn't actually ever share, at least in God's word, his encounter with his half-brother after mm-hmm. the resurrection. It was kind of like, we don't need to talk about that. That was a <laughs> private thing. Um, but I just think it's an amazing story, and and uh, we need to learn more about James and read the book of James, just the author of that. Yeah, because I think James thought he had it figured out. You know, he never believed that Jesus was the Messiah. And, you know, it's not on the pages of scripture, but I kind of think, okay, once Jesus was dead, he's like, okay, whew, that embarrassment is gone. And now we can get back to life as normal. And then Jesus shows up and it shakes James to the core to the degree that he spends the rest of his life and ends up giving his life for the sake of the gospel. He was martyred then. He was. He was stoned to death. Mm-hmm. And fairly early, was he one of the, not the first, but but he, he didn't live that long, did he? As well as some of them did? It was in the 60s AD. He had kind of uh, disagreed with the leader at the time that uh, he wasn't kind of living up to snuff. And the leader took offense to that and had him stoned. Oh. So he wasn't a young man, but he wasn't necessarily old. Okay, that's great. Well, I know we could learn more about James, but I think that's a good overview for our listeners. Now, the second uh, person that you focus on in your Bible study is Saul, who becomes Paul. Tell us a little bit more about that. And I thought I knew everything about Saul when I started reading this. (laughs) And I'm like, oh my gosh, I had no idea. I thought I knew everything, but I certainly didn't. So just uh, share a little bit more about Saul, which who became Paul. And you said you think he is the greatest disciple. I believe that was your words, uh, are one of the greatest disciples. Yeah. I really do. And that's definitely a personal opinion. But I mean, He's the one that had those impeccable credentials. You know, he was the Jewish pureblood. He was the natural born Roman citizen. He was well-educated. He was influential. He was powerful. 
Yet when he encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus, it changed Paul's life. And what I love about Paul is that once Jesus appeared to him, once God got a hold of his heart in that way, we never see Paul backsliding. Of course, you know, you have Peter, bless his heart, mm-hmm. you know, uh, kind of <laughs> backsliding a couple of times, but we never see that with Paul. It's like once Paul was in, he was all in, all the way to death. And I just love that about Paul. Yeah. Well, talk a little bit more about what happened on the road to Damascus for Saul, who becomes Paul, for our listeners. Well, he had obtained letters from the synagogue leaders to persecute Christians. And with those letters happily in his hand, he was headed to Damascus to persecute more Christians. He wasn't just on a journey. He was literally on the way to persecute more Christians. And Jesus intercepted that. And people think that Damascus was very close. It was actually when he left to go to Damascus, it was about a 150 mile journey. So Paul had like a couple of weeks for that hatred to kind of grow. And what we have to understand about Saul slash Paul at the time was he thought he was doing the right thing. He thought that judging people who were going against the law was what he was supposed to do as a good Jewish man, as a, as a Pharisee, so to speak. And so he thought he was doing the right thing. And I relate to that so much because when I first became a Christian, I was in my early 20s and I thought my sole duty was to tell everyone else how bad they were messing up. (laughs) And what a terrible, terrible witness for Jesus. And so I relate to Paul in the fact that it wasn't about being right and telling people they're wrong. It's about telling them that Jesus' righteousness covers us. And despite what we do, we are forgiven. Yeah. Um, I want to keep talking about uh, Saul who is now Paul, but I want to make some announcements if I can. Family Shield Ministries cares about families growing in Christ and equips them to witness to each other and to the world. The Family Shield radio program is aired on 50 stations throughout the United States, and the podcast is heard on many podcast platforms. Family Shield also coordinates additional educational and evangelism services. This now includes Faith Family Reunion that serves parents with prodigals. Prodigals are adult children that grew up in the faith but have stopped attending church or have left the faith. If you're a Thrivent financial member, you can designate your Thrivent Choice dollars to support Family Shield. Go to their website, www.thrivent.com slash Thrivent Choice, or call them at one 800 847 4836, and one of their employees will help you. Family Shield Ministries is a self supporting and listener funded ministry. We depend upon your prayers, support, generosity, and sacrifice to allow us to share the gospel with those who do not know Christ and equip Christians to serve and witness. Please pray for us, mail a donation, or give a one time gift or a monthly gift at www.familyshieldministries.org. Now I want to continue talking with Donna Snow, the author of Unshakable. Now, obviously, uh, Paul was pretty shaken after Jesus appeared to him on the road to Damascus, and he was blinded, wasn't he? He was for three days. And then one of the disciples was sent to him and 
baptized him. Yeah. I always find this interesting, Donna. You may not know, but he was in a house when he was baptized. You know, so many of the people say, oh, they went out to the river. But it just says he, 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 he was in a house and he stood up and was baptized. So that's just an interesting little tidbit that I remembered. So um, Paul was also the one that was uh, there when Stephen was stoned to death mm-hmm. and he held his cloak. And I have always said to people, I wonder how hearing Stephen call out Jesus' name, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit at his death might have prepared him for seeing or for hearing Jesus, because he didn't know at first, he didn't know who was talking to him. He said, who are you, Lord? And and then he found out. I And you, in your book, you just said that. So uh, it was just so exciting to see, uh-oh, he's thinking, oh, you can share it better than me. But uh, he's thinking, wait a minute, this is Jesus. He's dead and buried and he's talking to me? What's going on? So just a few other comments from you about that. Yeah, it's just amazing. Yeah, he was at Stephen's stoning. And I mean, I can only imagine um, kind of having been in a Paul position of not knowing Jesus as an adult uh, for a while, looking on someone who is giving their life for something that you don't believe in. You you have to step back and say, why in the world is someone willing to go to? Because you don't die for a lie. No. You die for the truth. Right. And so I'm sure that got the wheels turning in Paul's mind, like, what, what is this? I, don't, I, I can't say because scripture is silent that, that Paul yeah. was convicted by anything. But I do think as a, an intelligent man, it probably caused him some pause. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Yes. And that's one of the clearest examples of a disciple praying to Jesus, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And then he knew where his spirit was going. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us just a little bit of the rest of the story about Paul. Well, I mean, what an incredible story. He set off on missionary journeys and at least three that are mentioned in scripture. And it's funny, I just returned from there. I just finished leading a tour in the footsteps of Paul through Greece and Turkey and Rome. And so I literally less than two weeks ago was standing in Ephesus and Corinth and Philippi. And to see those places uh, with stones that are etched with crosses because of what Paul did in those places mm-hmm. was just, it's a, it, it was such an impact. You can't even really fathom it. And, and then when I was standing in front of the 20,000 plus seat amphitheater that still stands in Ephesus, knowing that right there is where Paul went in to preach the gospel for 20,000 hostile people and it had to be yanked out. And I was convicted looking at that amphitheater would we be as brave? Mm -hmm. Would we walk into an amphitheater of 20,000 people knowing that we might not come out alive? It was convicting for sure, but his his conversion helped shape the church. And the rest of Paul's story, it's just incredible. I think the basic the basic message of Paul's story is that we cannot outsend the saving grace of God. Mm -hmm. He was an active persecutor of Christians. And I mean, we cannot outsend no matter what you've done or what you've been or what your past look like in Christ, we are washed white as snow. And that is Paul's message. Yeah. And to think that God chose Paul. He wanted to speak to him. He he knew what he could do for the church. And although he had been persecuting Christians, and actually right there at Stephen's death, so you could say he was part of that, mm-hmm. now 
afterwards. He is a passionate advocate for Christ throughout his life until his death. And uh, how many books did he write in in the New Testament? He wrote 13 books. And I mean, Ephesians 6, you know, if, if anyone underwent spiritual warfare, it was Paul. And I love Ephesians 6, where he lined out the armor that we have. And even today, that is still available to every believer in Christ. Yeah. Uh, that we are against an enemy that cannot be seen in the dark heavenly places. But we are called to finish the race, not necessarily win it. Paul never said we're called to win the race. He said, just finish it. It's like when, when you start something, by goodness sake, finish it. You don't have to win it, but keep going. Yeah. We could keep talking about Paul. Uh, and I just encourage our listeners to pick up uh, your book and we'll talk a little bit about where they can get it. Oh, we didn't do that after the break. We need to do that now. Now, w this is an LWML uh, Bible study. So how do our listeners get a copy of your book, Unshakable, Standing on the Rock When Life Quakes Hard? Well, you go to lwml.org or you can go to cph.org. Uh, Concordia Publishing House also has it in their store list and you can order it. It also comes with a DVD. We did a, a live, te there's 30 minute teachings for every single one of these uh, that we taped before a live audience. And the DVD for all eight lessons, it's only like $15. I, I love how LWML kept that cost low. They always do that. Yeah, you can actually gift someone the book and the DVD for less than 30 bucks. It's amazing. That's fantastic. Well, let's, uh, we, we could keep talking about Paul, but we're going to run out of time. And I would like to just visit a little bit about John and you title it from humble fisherman to beloved disciple, because John is the one that over and over, uh, the Bible says he was, uh, the disciple Jesus loved. Mm -hmm. Many times you hear that. And uh, just tell us a little bit about the uh, disciple John. Well, John was just, well, he lived the longest, and most scholars believe he was also the youngest. But he was actually already a disciple of John the Baptist, who was the forerunner to Jesus. Uh, the first time John hears uh, the name of Jesus or the Messiah, it's John the Baptist pointing him out, you know, look the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And John was all in. He left John the Baptist and started following Jesus then. And he followed Jesus the longest. He was the only disciple to die a natural death. Uh, he wasn't martyred, but he was also entrusted with Jesus's mother to take care of her. And it was very cool to actually be again, a couple of weeks ago on the island of Patmos to see where he was imprisoned and from there wrote the revelation uh, that God had given him. And just, I love John's gospel because he is very intentional about filling in gaps or stories that the other gospels left out. Mm -hmm. And obviously it's all by the inspiration of, of God, but I love John's intentionality to tell some stories that you can't find anywhere else. Uh -huh. And yeah, he was five times. He, it says he was the disciple whom Jesus loved. Wow. It was five times. It's such a sweet relationship. The The thing I, I love about John is the scene in the upper room on Maundy Thursday, where John actually leans his head against Jesus' chest. And I wonder if he remembered for the rest of his life what the heartbeat of the Savior sounded like. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I'm thinking John 1-1, one, one, I, 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 it's just so different from any of the others. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Talking about the triune God there, uh, and and uh, I just had to bring that up for somebody I was talking to the other day that had been raised in a group that is not a Christian church. Um, there's so much in John that's not in any of the other Gospels. It's my favorite Gospel. Mm-hmm. Um but I say that about a lot of books. <laughs> people know. Well, that. it's just so personal. Yeah. You know, if when people say, "Where do you start reading scripture?" I always say the Book of John because you get, you get the humanity of Jesus there more than any of the Synoptic Gospels. I believe mm-hmm. it's just beautiful. Yeah, and and again, not a lot of repeats like many of the Gospels. The stories are repeated, but uh, John's is not. And he wrote uh, the Gospel of John, and then First John, Second John, Third John, and Revelations, which a lot of people, you know, where I don't know all of that. But he was very old when he wrote Revelations, wasn't he? Yeah, he was on the island of Patmos. It was towards the end of his life, and so yeah, he was he was pretty old because his Gospel was written several decades after the others. And uh, yeah, he was the oldest and lived lived the longest. So it was he was very much towards the end of his life. Okay, all right, very good. Um, so Donna, how has God helped you overcome life's challenges? Your your title of the book is Unshakable, and the Lord just walks with us, and we know He's unshakable, but He helps us be able to survive all of the challenges of life. So, just tell our listeners a little bit about some of the challenges that you've had, and how the Lord has walked with you. Well, just a challenge I think everyone can relate to is just identifying as a Christian in today's culture. Um, But overcoming life challenges, it's like this is where you start singing in Christ alone. Mm -hmm. You know, that's that's the only way. And by the grace of God, he's given me a passion for his word and listening to him through it. And diligent prayer is just it's huge. And that has helped me overcome every single challenge is is Christ alone. That's great. I love that. So um, tell our listeners anything else you want them to know about your Bible study. We have about two minutes left uh, as we kind of conclude the program. Just anything that we haven't touched on that you think would be important for them. Hmm. I would say for this Bible study, I think somewhere in this cast of characters, they will find themselves because being shaken is a part of a believer's life. But because of Jesus' victory over death and sin, standing on shaky ground is not how our story ends. He gave us a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And in faith, we stand on that truth, you know, surrendered to Jesus, ready to serve wherever and however he calls us. Wonderful. Again, um, my guest has been Donna Snow. She mentioned that she takes a lot of, she leads a lot of trips over to Israel, the Holy Land. Uh, she's been uh, the, the uh, travels of Paul and I know other places. So um, how could someone get hold of you if they want to uh, touch base with you? They can go to my website at artesianministries.org, and I'm sure you'll share the link. But yeah, go there. We are a 501c3, and we are happy to just do ministry that God has given us to do. Thank you so much. Again, my guest, Donna Snow, and uh, this is Kay Meyer with Family Shield. And uh, you can learn more about Family Shield on our website, www familyshieldministries.com. Again, if you want to get in contact with Donna, just uh, email us and we'll uh, share that information that she just gave. 
uh, so that you can connect with her. Thanks so much for listening. God bless your day. You've been listening to Family Shield, a production of Family Shield Ministries. Its mission is to educate and equip people through the power of the gospel to know Christ, grow in His Word, and to strengthen individuals and their families. To learn how you can obtain resources or support the ministry, go to www.familyshieldministries.com or write Family Shield Ministries, 7045 Parkwood Street, St. Louis, Missouri, 63116. And tune in again next week for Family Shield. Family Shield.